The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 45, Leading with Diversity and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'd like to personally thank you today for taking the time to join us for some leadership discussion and learn how we are operating our online businesses behind the scenes. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host. He's Michael Tanner. Michael, my friend, how are you doing this week, sir? Steven, I am great. How about yourself? Oh, man, I'm doing wonderful. And another, let me look out my window here, another beautiful day in sunny Arizona and my 109 degree temperature. That is uh, 109. Yeah, it's only going to be 114 for most of next week. So uh, we're going to be okay. 114. Well, we'll look, here in Atlanta, it's fair skies. It's 87. But, it's like fall. But... That feels like 91. Yeah. It feels like 91 with the humidity. Sticky. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've been having, a, and this is typical for Atlanta this time of year especially, we've been having our afternoon, early evening thunder showers. You know, they last about 10 minutes or so, rain, and then the sun comes back out. And so for the last hour, hour and a half of daylight, you know, the sun after that rain, oh, the humidity that's oh, goes yeah. through the roof. Yep. It's, it's like uh, being in a steam room. Yeah, ex- exactly. My wife and I, at times, we'll walk in the evening, and when that happens, you can actually see steam coming up off the right. roadway as the sun hits it. Yeah. That's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. It's like it's like putting a, uh, what do they call those thermal suits? You, you, know, you remember back in the day, I don't know if they still do it oh, now, but those silver. Yeah, mop, mop level five. Oh, oh, yeah, mop level five. I remember that now. That's different. <laughs> Used to do uh, physical training in those mop yeah, suits, man. Yeah. In the mask and all. Yeah, that, that builds character. But no, good stuff. It's, uh, it's beautiful as always here. No rain, no threat of rain, no possibility of rain, no rain in the future. So it's all good. It's all good here. Yeah, you guys, don't, you probably don't have a rain till about October, huh? You know, it's monsoon season technically, but we've only had probably two dust storms, I would say, and some follow on rain. It, it's rain torrential downpour one time that I recall for probably a half hour, but and then everything flooded and that's just the way it is. But then the roofs leak at work and, you know, it's just a it's just a hot mess. That's how you could tell if you're, you know, the first rain that comes in the year, because we can go four or five months without rain. And the first rain that comes or after a long period of time, the roofs in, in the workplace are just you have buckets everywhere because you're finding all of these new leaks because wow. the heat expands and contracts the roof and it cracks the seams and joints. And it, yeah, it's a it's a hot mess. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so you have uh, extra buckets in, in closets and places just you in case bet. it rains somewhere. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's something you get really good at because I you bet. have, yeah, you have no other option. So what, what is on tap today, my friend? Hey, I thought we'd talk about a, probably a pretty timely topic. And, and, well, actually, maybe you and I are uh, behind the times. I, I know this has been a pretty hot topic of late uh, with the news and the media and, and just our society in general here in the States. But I thought we'd talk about diversity, diversity within our teams, diversity within our companies. Uh, and then uh, obviously as leaders, what do we need to do to, you know, ensure that we have some diversity within our teams? How's that sound to you? That sounds great. Looking forward to this conversation. You're right. It's so timely. It's, it's in the news and our perspectives on it will be, uh, interesting for some, I think it'll be good stuff and let's go, let's do it, man. Yeah. So let's jump in and, and, you know, probably first, what we should do for our audience is acknowledge that you and I, here we are, we're, we're just two white dudes and we're going to talk about diversity. Um, we are not, we have never been in the minority. 
right? Not here in the, in the United States anyway. And so we're not pretending to try to understand that side of this diversity, um, uh, you know, discussion. We're not uh, pretending to know what it's like to be in a minority or anything like that. So I just want to set that straight with, with the audience that that's not what we're trying to do. But instead, what we're trying to do is convey that as a leader, and I believe it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what skin color you have or what gender you are or anything. As a leader, though, you can foster diversity within your team. We're going to talk about, well, why is that even important? And then ultimately, then how do you do that as a leader as well? But I just want the audience to know that, look, we're not pretending or trying to uh, convey here some, uh, some wisdom that we don't have or some experience that we don't have. We've never been in the minority and, and uh, likely never will actually here in the, in, in the United States anyway. But, but we can, again, we can talk about what does it mean to be, uh, you know, a leader that encourages and foster diversity. So let's first talk about why is it even important? Why is diversity important? Well, I, I think the first thing I would, I would share is that diversity is important inside of your team because it brings to the team differing viewpoints, differing opinions, differing ideas, and so forth. Now, we should probably also say that it, a, a team needs to be of a certain size before you start to worry about diversity, you know, too greatly, right? A, a team of two people, well, you can, you can diversify, yes, um, but you're going to have a, you know, a 50-50 uh, percentage of diversification and you can't go any, any more diverse than that. Right. Um, but if you get into the four or five, six man teams, uh, well, now you can certainly start ensuring that you have some good levels, uh, you know, of diversity and lots of different nationalities and gender and, and things like that interspersed into your team. But it's important because as I said, it just brings all of those differing experiences and ideas and, and schools of thought. Um, I really love it when, especially when you get um, team members who are educated in different countries, you know, maybe they went to college in a different country or something like that. And you just see the differing opinions and ideas and thoughts that, that come to mind or come to the team. And that just makes ultimately for a better team and ultimately for a better, you know, job or that the team is doing, right? Maybe you're trying to solve a problem and you're going to come up with the best solution to solving that problem because the team is diverse and has lots and lots of different ideas as to what's the best way to solve that problem. So that's why I, that's the first reason I say diversity is important. Yeah, those are all great points. And as you say that, I think about, I think about, Diversity. You're right. If we have a two person team, it's very difficult to intentionally have diversity. But as you get into four, eight, 12, 24 and so on, it becomes it becomes much more of a viable path to go down. So it's something you have to look at as your team grows. And I think it's important when you when we talk about the why, because number one, society is diverse. It, it is diverse and our workplaces should be a representation of what society looks like and how we operate in society, because that's the nature of our business. We are part of, as a business, part of the society, and we should be representing what that society looks like. Now, sometimes it's easier or harder. There's there's, you know, it's timing, it's all types of things that could get in the way with that. And it would be easy as a leader to throw your hands up and say, well, I can't figure it out. But I know as we go through some of these points today, we're going to talk about some different ways to approach that uh, more intentionally. And then another thing, it's easy to think about diversity strictly as a skin color, right? It, it's right. that's when you ask people diversity, it that's the most that's the most obvious thing the what we hear in the news today. Uh, and I get it. I understand. I am so much smarter today than I was a month or two ago because of all of the, the awareness around this. And you've really got to not take 
anything for granted. You've got to open your eyes, open your ears, listen to what people say, understand points of view, take it all in, and then you're going to be a lot smarter and a lot uh, better off because of it. But more than just skin color, there is diversity, as you mentioned, from other countries, right? So, we're, you know, fill in the blank. You know, we're from the United States. Anything other than the United States is considered diversity for a lot of things. They've, they've grown up differently in a different culture, a different way of thinking. They've grown up with a different education system. So there's diversity there. But then another element of diversity that I think can get overlooked at times is the diversity of regions within the United States. Because, you know, you're from the South and I'm, I'm from the, you know, Florida's not the South. So how did you know that? How did you, how I, I don't know. Dag Nabbit. I don't know. I just, <laughs> you know, but I'm from Florida. I don't think Florida, it's so South. It's not considered the South. It's kind of not this transient all. place, not but, but yes. people from the South, or let's say folks from the Northwest and folks from the Northeast, they have grown up in different, uh, you know, micro cultures as well within, within the Bronx of New York for, for example, or out in LA or up in Seattle or in the Midwest. And they've been, you know, working on, on the heartland and the farms and our farm, they've grown up in different ways of thinking, acting and operating. So there's diversity there as well. So it can be diversity is simply something that makes people unique. And that can come in many different visual, obvious, and less obvious ways. And I would just ask the listeners just to consider all types of diversity uh, it, when, you, when you think about what diversity really is. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you, you know, I mentioned that I, I really like a diverse team because it brings to, to bear, you know, different uh, experiences and ideas and, and, you know, that type of thing. Well, that doesn't come from skin color, right? That comes from the experience that they had, uh, you know, growing up in a, in a certain region or a certain country. And so all of those differing ideas and so forth, it, it comes from our backgrounds, from our life experiences. And, and, and that's, as you say, that's what makes us all unique. That's what makes us diverse and so forth. And so, yeah, there's certainly many more dimensions to diversity than just skin color or gender or, you know, as you were saying, uh, uh, what country they came from, a region of the United States even they came from. You know, in, in the world that I, I've lived in for years and years here around engineering and software development, there are other countries like Finland and Poland. And, and when we get together on a team, we all look the same. But as we start talking about, for instance, software development and engineering, Man, you just see the diverse trains of of education that uh, you know that that come to bear because we you know we grew up in different areas and we were educated in in different types of school schooling and and so forth, and so you get diversity that way. Um, now let, let's, but I, I want to say this as well. Uh, I want to change up our bullet order a little bit on on you there, Stephen, but. What I want to acknowledge here with our listeners is the fact that diversity within a team, it will not happen naturally, right? If you don't intentionally try to do something to bring diversity to your team, it just doesn't happen naturally. Um, and I think what a lot of leaders will, the trap that they will fall into is, and, and I think I know this to be true because I've fallen into it many times uh, through, throughout the years in, in leadership. And that is, I just had this, this approach of, well, I want to build the best team I can. And so I'm going to find the best team members I possibly can. And I don't care what their skin color is or what their gender is or where they were educated and where they grew up. Right. And so that was the approach I took was I just want the best team members and I'm not going to let any of those other things, you know, interfere. I, I'm not going to hi hire someone. I'm not going to avoid hiring someone just because of their skin color or something like that. But the reality is we naturally, we naturally migrate towards and look for people that look and behave and think similar to the way we do. 
right? So if, if we're just doing resume reviews and in an interview hiring process or whatever, we have to recognize it's our natural tendency to be looking for ourselves. And so just want everybody to understand, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not suggesting that that's wrong or that's bias in some way. It's just our natural tendency. And so we just have to recognize that if we uh, see the importance of bringing about diversity in our team, just have to recognize it's not going to be just something that just happens naturally. Absolutely. And the, the whole diversity aspect of it as, as leaders, it, it's easy to fall into this comfort zone of what the organization has always done, what the organization is doing. But real leaders look for ways to diversify. And it's not just diversify or, or have diversity from a standpoint of, of ethnic diversity, which is important. I don't want to discount that. But diversity of thoughts, diversity of the way people think, act, and operate. Having men and women on a team, a mixture Frankly, I, I'm, I'm married. I know you're married. My wife thinks about things just totally differently than I do. And, totally. yep. and I think about things totally differently than she does on a lot of, lot of things. And it doesn't just stop at the front door. It also goes into the workplace where women and men bring in a unique perspective of the way they look at situations, think about solutions, create uh, the roadmap to recovery, and then uh, start that process of execution, delivery, communication, follow-up, all of those things, men and women approach those in different ways at different times based on the situation. How we respond to stress is different. It, it could be different in men and women, and it could be the, it could be the opposite between that as well. So there's, there's all of this diversity that is good. It's so good for the business because we as leaders, and I know myself as a leader, I don't want to, to sit in a room with a bunch of people and then no one have an opinion, no one have maybe an alternative that we're not thinking of. No one, right. uh, you know, everyone just says, yeah, okay, let's just go do that. I, I don't want robots. I want right. thinkers right. and people that bring something unusual that no one's thought of to the discussion. And that can come from anywhere, from any place, from any person. And when you have that diversity, you have diversity of thought, diversity of how they think about situations. And then you add in this, this diversity uh, beyond just of thoughts and all, and you have women and men and women of color and men of color and, and men from the Northeast and women from, from India and engineers from from Japan. And I'm telling you, you get this dynamic going. And this is the exciting part to me. You get this conversation and dynamic going that there's nothing that you can't figure out and solve if, if you're willing as a leader to open your mind, open your ears, open your eyes, take in what is being you know, talked about and discussed and, and offered up or of suggestions and take it seriously and apply it appropriately. I'm telling you, it's a game changer in organizations. And I, I obviously think it needs to be more prevalent in organizations today. It could always be done better. But when you have that and you're the leader that brings that team together, the magic you can create is something very, very special. Um, so true, Stephen. I mean, you got me all fired up because uh, just I'm such a team guy and I love these kind of things. but. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, if, if your team of, say, six, it, you have a, a problem of some sort to solve, my guess is it's a really, really complex problem. And if all six of you, you know, are, are robots of each other, identical to each other, and you, you all think the same, you're going to come up with one or maybe two ideas to solve that really, really complex problem. And I can almost guarantee you it's not the best possible solution to solve that problem. But then you take a same size team, six people, and they're different genders and nationalities, and they come from different schools of, of education and all this. And they're, they're going to put onto the table lots of different ideas about solving that problem. 
And then to the point you're making as a leader, if, if you can really lead that team in, in teamwork, and this is what gets me all energized. If, if that six people of totally different nationalities and genders and all that, if they trust one another well enough to really debate of all of these ideas that we've just shared, which is the best idea. And then they're willing to align on that idea and go and take action on it to the point you're making. You now know you have the best possible solution to solve that problem or achieve that goal, whatever it is. And now you've got a team of six people that are going to go, go and get after it. And um, that's what diversity gives you. Whereas if you same six people that all think alike, well, we only came up with two ideas. I hope one of them is a good one. Uh, that's that's not not an effective way of doing. And, and when you and, and also when you brought up uh, marriage, I thought you were going here. Now neither of you, neither you nor I, are marriage counselors. We should we should acknowledge that up front. But I thought you were going to go down the path of uh, the analogy of marriage and and needing to be intentional about diversity. Because I've learned this now, my wife and I just celebrated our 26 year anniversary. After 26 years, I've learned happy marriage doesn't just happen. It it doesn't just happen. You've got to work at it. You've got to be intentional about it. It's, it's hard work. Diversity in your team. It doesn't just happen. You've got to work at it. It's got to be worked at. And, uh, and it's okay. It's okay that that's the case, right? Because it's just our natural tendency. Yeah. Now let's, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and and with marriages ending in fifty percent divorce rates, and you're with these people, your spouses every day, and you know each other like the back of your hand, and those end in failure. Just imagine the potential and the possibility of what a team could end in failure if it's not led well. You don't have engagement. You're not aligned. You're not on the same page. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, any leader out there, any team member that. At times, there's failure, and it's because it's because is the leader wrapping his or her arms around the team in a way, taking advantage of not only the diversity that we've unpacked, but all of the struggles and wins and losses that these people on your team have faced in their life, in their work life, in their in their personal lives the struggles that they've overcome just as human beings bring so much to the table. And if you as a leader can't harness the, the value of that, then you're missing such an opportunity to take your team to the next level and to be world-class, whatever that is for your organization and your, in your industry. But it's, it's something that it's so important that cannot be overlooked about the value and the power of team diversity and what it really brings to the table. If, if you are the right leader that can pull that goodness from the team and apply it in the organization. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. And I, and I would say that, look, if you're, if in some way you have this bias or whatever that your team needs to look and behave and think and, you know, has similar experience as you, you just don't even need to be a leader. I mean, you need to get out of leadership because of all the things that we just talked about. I mean, that, that you're missing out on so much value that you can get from other team members that are diverse from you. Um, and, and, you know, Get out of leadership. Yeah, do do Michael and I a favor and go yep. be an individual contributor. Michael and I will come scoop up your diverse talent and we will That's put right. it That's right. put it to work. And you know one thing else, Michael, that we're talking about diversity. The other it fits our prior conversations. It's generational diversity, right? Oh, yeah. You know good the point. boomers. Very and can you imagine uh, a 1960s, 50s boomer? Uh, that was born in that era in the in the 70s. They're beating people over the head, beating people over the head with a hammer. Do it because I right. said do it. Now I don't see a situation where diversity is allowed to thrive there. It just yeah, it doesn't it's, happen. It's, you got one person standing on the on the on the bully pulpit beating people over the head to do their job, and you have a bunch of robotic people that are doing what the boss says because they're fearful and they haven't found another gig yet. That's, mm-hmm. that is such the opposite of diversity, but you know what? It still happens today. 
it still happens. It's probably less prevalent than it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, but it's, it's something you got to watch out for. You've, and you've got to be aware of that, that still happens in business. And you've got to, you've got to make sure that diversity is allowed to bubble up in the organization and thrive both generational diversity as well, because when you have millennials and boomers and maybe some early entries, what'd you call them? Fresh outs, some fresh out zoomers, uh, you're going to have, you're going to have diversity in a whole new set of ways that is added to the mix with all the other diversity we've been talking about, which I think is going to take the organization even higher, even better, even faster. And you're going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, that's, that is such a good point. That generational diversity. And, and look, let me paint a scenario for you. I see this play out all the time where, you know, you have a hiring manager that's been in an industry or, or maybe even been in this company for, say, 20 years, and they have a open position. And by default, they will tend to go to, well, we need a senior level position that's got 15 years of experience. What are they looking for? They're looking for themselves, right? They're, they're looking for someone that looks exactly like them. And, and again, as a good leader, you, you have to suggest to them and say, well, wait, 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 we need to diversify this a little bit. It, it may be that we need some, we need some new, new schools of thought, right? We need some, some younger generations that are going to bring, you know, into our team, some fresher ideas, some newer ideas, you know, in the world of software development, coming through college as a computer science major now looks totally different than it did 20 years ago. And your team needs that kind of diversification as well. So there again, that's where it just kind of naturally falls into place of you're looking for yourself and maybe you should look, be looking for something slightly different. Now, let, let's, let's take this a little bit deeper into the corporate world, if you will. And, and just, I just wanted to acknowledge something that I think a lot of people tend to get hung up on. And that is, especially if you, work for a larger corporation, right? A, a pretty large, uh, especially if you work for kind of this uh, global type corporation, you may have corporate or HR type policies around diversity, right? And, and your corporation may be as stringent as to have uh, metrics or, or numbers, percentages that they want you to, to meet. And sometimes those percentages are you know, specific dynamics within uh, diversification, right? They, they may be looking for a certain percentage of females in your team, uh, a certain percentage of foreign ethnicities and, and, and things like that. Uh, and, and I just want to address that with our listeners and say, the reason corporations do that is because of the point we just made. It doesn't just happen naturally. And so I've never, uh, maybe I've been fortunate in this. I don't know about you, Stephen, but I've never been in a situation where a company said, you can't hire this person because they don't fit our diversification profile that we're after. I've never been in that situation. And, and I don't know if, if many corporations do that, but I don't want people to view a corporate policy of diversification as a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. There's good intentions behind it because we've talked about it. it makes for a better team. It makes for a good team when you have diversification. And the reason companies and corporations feel like they need to put a policy in place is simply because it just doesn't happen naturally. So, so don't look at your HR firm as you know, bad or having bad ideas because they have this uh, diversity policy. And there oftentimes when companies have policies like that, oftentimes it's because they know, to your point, that leaders in the organization won't naturally get there on their own. And what it does, and I've been part of big, you know, huge fortune, one like you, Fortune 100 companies. I've been part of small private equity companies. And some have had very specific policies or I wouldn't even know if I'd call them policies, but guidelines, right? Because, and, you, and you're right, I've never been told uh, you cannot hire person A because they don't meet these 
one, two, three set of criteria that had nothing to do with the job skills or anything like that, right? So I've never been told that, but big companies often have guidelines around diversity because A, they know that their leaders just instinctively don't naturally get there with, without having something to think about like a guideline. B, at times companies, and, and I work for a company like this today that has a, a high content of very specific government work that at times requires you to certify, and I'm not an expert on this, so I, I'm not going to try to figure out what all that means, but, but certify that you are meeting diverse talent expectations. Now, it, sometimes that could look like you need to report out on what your, what your talent base is in, in your ratio within your organization of diversity and, and color and gender and all of those things. And that's to make sure that the company is considering how to bring that into the organization because uh, EEOC, equal employment opportunity, uh, all of those things are very important and left to just things happening on their own. There's a stronger likelihood that it wouldn't get to a level that it should be at and it wouldn't mimic society like I talked about early as a representative as a proxy for what your organization should look like. So uh, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs and, and, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, but I know generally speaking, those are some of the things that I think about when, when you have a corporate guideline or a policy around diversity. And I, and I'm looking forward to our discussion when we get into what we can do about it as leaders, because leaders out there and Michael and I have been around the block a few times. So we've, we've learned trial and error through a lot of this, but if you're a new leader and you are struggling with this, and if you're not struggling with this, likely it's because you haven't had to face it yet. And there are some very specific things that can be done to, to minimize uh, not having diverse talent, you can maximize the opportunity to have the diverse talent. And all of it doesn't matter if you don't have candidates. And we'll get into that as well, because you got to have you got to have folks that you can consider for these important roles. And and uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited about this topic. It's good stuff. I think there's a lot more we can do in society, a lot more that businesses can do. And businesses are made up of people and people need to uh, and I need to do a better job, too. I've got, I've got to recognize the opportunities that are out there to bring people in that can add so much value to the, to the team and get you somewhere that gets you to somewhere and get the team to somewhere that no one's even thought or considered as as a ceiling for where we can go. And, and we can bust through it and get so far ahead. It's it's crazy to think about how good we can be. Yeah. So, so let's dive into that. How do we ensure that we have a diverse team, right? What are some of the things that we can do to make sure that we have a diverse team? Now, one of the things I want to kind of maybe alleviate some of the fears that some of our listeners have, because I've had these fears before. I don't want to be forced in a situation where I have to choose a substandard team member just because they fall into some kind of diversification um, category, right? And I don't believe that that's the case at all. I believe you can find, you know, A players, you know, first string players for your team that also fall into these diversification categories, but you've got to be intentional about it. You, you've got, you know, again, it's not just going to happen naturally. You've got to be intentional about it. And so I think the first thing I would say here is if you're not the hiring manager, if you have others within your team that are going to be doing the reviewing resumes or, you know, interviewing and, and things like that. It's super important that you train those hiring managers on the reason diversification is important. Now you may be working in one of those environments where there's a corporate policy uh, around diversity, but you want to teach and you want to train those hiring managers. Look, it's important that our team has diversity for all of these reasons, the ideas, the generational differences that we talked about, all those things we've been talking about on this podcast, you need to teach and train those hiring managers on why diversity is important. Otherwise, they won't be looking for it. 
in the process. So, and again, you, you don't want to just take it to them and say, well, it's corporate policy, so go do it. No, no, talk to them and teach them as to why that's important. And then what you want to do is show them, demonstrate for them, how do you, so for instance, in a resume, how do you look for diversity in a resume? And so you want to be looking for things that might show up on a resume that would indicate that there's diversity here. So again, in in my world, I'm in the engineering world. And so for instance, you might find on someone's resume, uh, you know, society of women engineers, right? So, well, okay. Then, then, you know, you, you, you have a female there. Now you're probably able to tell that through the name and so forth, but you're looking for things that suggest, well, they're a member of the society of women engineers. The, the same is true for there's a national society of black engineers. And so if you see this on their resume, well, then, you know, you have a, you know, a candidate of diversity here, right? Uh, and then you can you can then get into well is this the best team member for for our team and and so forth, but then also to to throw in even more intentionality into building diversity, go and seek out those activities and those events that would bring diversity into your team. I've been to lots and lots of career fairs at different colleges and and hiring events and things like that. Well. These societies, like the National Society of Black Engineers, they host their own hiring events, you know, and and lots of these other organizations around diversity do likewise. So intentionally go look for those. And then as a part of your hiring efforts, then go and attend those events, just like you're attending some of these other events, uh, because you know uh, they're going to bring about diversity for you. And, and that's how you're going to be able to find those, you know, first string players for your team that also brings diversity to your team. Exactly. And, and the word here that everyone should really focus on is, an in, is intentional, right? To sit back and allow the river to flow its natural course is not going to necessarily get you anything different than what you've been doing in the past. If you're going to step up your game, if you're going to really be an organization or a company that appreciates diversity, that seeks out diversity, that puts diversity qualified candidates in leadership roles that help shape the organization, You've got to be intentional. And to your point, intentional recruiting events, it, the, the black engineer, uh, the it, women in, what was it called again? So it's the Society of Women Engineers and National Society of Black that, Engineers. That's it. I don't want to goof that up. So if, if you're going to those events, you're going to get a deeper candidate pool of diversity and I think that is such a, uh, a straightforward, easy way to seek out intentionally diverse candidates. But I think so many organizations either don't think about it, don't consider it, view it as, you know, like any other staffing event, just, oh, that's not the way we get candidates. And I think there's so much missed out on as a result of that. So very important. Not don't just wait to get the email that says, hey, we're having a, a hiring event and, and we have an aviation and aerospace. There's a big society of women in aviation is what it's called. And uh, because aviation is notorious for being a, a highly male dominated industry. You know, it's just same with engineering, yeah. just the way it's it's been. I'm, it's not it's not good, bad, right or wrong. It's just a fact pattern that the way it is. So there's this intentionality about getting into colleges and universities, finding mechanical engineers or, or software engineers or, or these talented folks and, and woo them into aerospace because we recognize in, in aviation that they, we have a deficit of, of females, of ladies that bring so much to the table. You need to think about engineering and problem solving. Women just look at things differently than we do. And frankly, I think a lot better than we do. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I'm kind of hardheaded. And sometimes, you know, my wife, for example, will say, no, let's stop being hardheaded, you knucklehead, you know, do, you know, and, and women open our minds up to different possibilities. Right. And, 
I think that's great. And and you're talking about the resume and these these maybe signals or identifiers on a resume to help us uh, recognize when we may have a diverse candidate. Another thing that I do and have done, I don't do this all the time, but in times when I've challenged the team to say, okay, we need, we really need some diversity on our team, whether that's uh, whatever that diversity is, it's going to bring, bring this value to our team. Uh, I will actually take all the names and identifying marks off of a resume because sometimes people, and I don't know as if they necessarily are intentional about saying, Oh, that name is, is this person or that person or a woman or a man or the, but what it does is when you see it, maybe subconsciously you make these assumptions, these stereotypes, and that can cause you to look at the rest of the resume, maybe through a filter. I don't know. It, everybody's different. And so if you take all the identifying features off a resume and you only have the qualifications and the work experience, and you've taken that off and you have people review them, now you're looking at this through kind of this playing field of equality, looking at skills and experience. And then after that, you kind of rank them and you figure that out. And then you can go back and, and look at all that other stuff at the schedule interviews or whatever. But that, that's a little resume hack that uh, at times can, can, if nothing else, send a signal and force people to think differently about talent. And then one more thing I'll say here is, and this doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen, if you interview, you know, five candidates, you get it down to two finalists and those finalists are equal in every single way. Uh, you know, they have strong experience, strong education. Uh, you know, the interviews went well and you have a non-diverse candidate and a diverse candidate. I'm going to go with the diverse candidate because and this is assuming that things are equal now, because I always, like you, we want the best candidate for the job, first and foremost. But if those two finalists, uh, one is diverse and one is non-diverse, I think about the additional benefits a diverse candidate would bring to our team into the conversation. And that gives that slight edge. And mm -hmm. I will make that decision. And I'm always challenging. And if you're a leader out there and you're listening to this, You've got to be challenging your team, challenging HR. And when we have significant roles come up, like engineering uh, leader or director or manager, you know, I will go to HR and I'll say something like, hey, HR, let's really try to focus on drumming up really good candidates, both diverse candidates, uh, you know, females, women of color, men of color. Let's get some diversity in here because it just, even if you hire whoever you hire, just having spoken with and walked through, you're going to learn so much about what they bring to the table that you could very likely choose a person because they're bringing this different perspective to the team. And something I think about a lot, and we just got to be, again, more intentional, uh, really specific about how we do it. If we just let nature take its course or the business operate as it's always operated, chances are you're not going to have all those opportunities that you would otherwise have. Yeah, that's right. And such a good, good point there, Stephen. I, I mean, if you have candidates that are equal in every way, but then you look at uh, and you, you ask yourself, what diversity do we not have on our team? Then that's the candidate you want to go after, right? If you look at your team, you say, we don't have any females on our team. If you've got two candidates, a male and a female, and they're identical in qualifications in every way. You, as a leader, you should, you should bring that diversity of having a female, you know, mind into your team because it's going to benefit your team in that way. Uh, so yeah, just look for what does, what kind of, what, what dimension of diversity does your team not have? And then you can, that'll help you make those decisions. Again, when you, when you have candidates that are on completely equal ground, right? Absolutely. And, um, we all learn. We all get better through this. And if you just intentionally think about how you're going to bring more diversity into your team, that's the right place to start. You start reviewing candidates, you start talking to people. And I think it won't be, uh, it won't take long and it won't be difficult to find that the diverse talent that's available and out there and what they bring to the table is something and someone you're going to want to grab onto and bring into your team. And yeah. 
if if others don't want to to diverse diversify their team, I'll diversify mine. Come on board, and we'll kick all their butts in the business, and we'll just take it to another level. And um, you know, I want to win. I want to win, and to win, you got to have you got to have the right talent, the right people, the right thoughts. You know, and leadership is relationship. And if you have you have the right people on your team, the sky's the limit. And it's good stuff. Anything we need to close up here before we move behind the scenes? No, man, we better jump behind the scenes. I mean, because you're talking about teamwork and winning. I'm going to get you going. You're going to get me all going and, oh, and we'll talk for hours here about this stuff. So we better jump yeah. behind the okay. scenes. Okay, let's do it. So behind the scenes, and uh, Michael said, you know what? This could be a 30-minute episode when we started. We are on 44 minutes and 22 seconds as, as I look down at my Roadcaster Pro here. And, uh, but, you know, great conversation around diversity. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very timely and it's very, very important that we had that conversation today, but behind the scenes, my friend, Michael Tanner, I know you've been working like a crazy person getting ready for something special that's coming up here very shortly. I am. So what I'm working on at the moment, and and this is somewhat unfortunate timing, I guess, for this particular episode. So this episode is actually going to be aired after I've conducted my webinars. I can flip it if you want. This behind the scenes, man. We haven't released the other one yet. I can put this one in that spot and push the other one out. That's all right. Let's just go. Okay. Ahead all right. Keep keep our schedule. We'll, okay. we'll stick to the schedule. I'm a, I'm a project guy. I'm all right. You don't schedule. want to disrupt that. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I've been working diligently on a webinar that's coming up, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be hosting this webinar on August the 12th, and it's all about building team trust. So earlier in the podcast, you know, we were talking about you bring all these team members together. They have uh, different diverse backgrounds and all that. They're going to have different ideas. Well, unfortunately, that's not enough. You've got to have leadership and you've got to have a team that trusts one another it's such that I trust you that I can offer up this idea and I won't be judged for it or, or people won't shoot it down as a bad idea. And then we've got to trust one another as team members enough that we're willing to argue over these ideas. I call it healthy debate within a team. We've got to trust one another such that we can argue over which is the best idea, which whose is the best idea. And then when we finally settle that argument, we align as a team to say, we're going, this is the decision, this is the strategy, and we're going to go do it, right? And so that is the beginnings of team trust. And so I'm going to be hosting a webinar. So I, I've been working extremely hard to get people into that webinar. And then that webinar is then going to lead into uh, my first uh, offered paid course. And again, it's a, it's a bigger course around starting the foundation of teamwork, which is building that team trust. So I've been crazy busy about uh, just getting people into that webinar. You know, what I'm excited about is, is what we are learning through this process, right? And me watching you in this, this webinar uh, you know, launch that you're doing, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. I know we talk during the week on Voxer and kind of you know, pick each other's brains and get feedback. And I'm just learning so much about the process. And there's no easy way to, you know, I was telling you before we hit the record button, how I'm in Amy Porterfield's uh, digital course boot camp. It's a 30 day boot camp on Facebook. And she's, she made a statement uh, on one of her Facebook lives, how she, her target was to get 5,000 people into her 30 day boot camp because she's launching Digital Course Academy on August, on September 9th. And, uh, you know, she's trying to get as much. That's a big signature launch for her. So right. she's got 10,000, 2x, 10,000 people in her uh, boot camp. And it's really awesome stuff. She's teaching a lot. I've been attending it. And every day she's, she's live and it's good. And there's, it's, it's good stuff. And I'm just imagining the day when you have 10,000 people on your thing, right? Because I wouldn't know what to do with those. Oh, you'll know exactly what to do with it. And it's going to happen, but there's no way to get to 10,000 if we can't start and figure out how to get the first webinar going, right? There's, yeah, I got to get to, I got to get to 10 yeah. in order to get to 10,000. There's no shortcut. I, I wish there was a magic wand for both of us that we could wave it. And then all of a sudden have 
a thousand people or 300 people or whatever in a webinar. And it, it's, it's just not possible to wave a magic wand. You have to put, and that's why entrepreneurship, I think is, is it sounds great. It sounds like, Ooh, wow. I can work for myself and make all this money. Well, let me tell you folks, and Michael and I are, are evidence of this. It's hard. It's, I say this every week. It's hard work. It's heavy lifting. It's work, work, work. And the reach that you have is, and we have, and entrepreneurs have early on is just small. And there's no way to grow if you don't start small. And we've got to start. And entrepreneurs, where they fail is they quit just about the time they're getting ready to turn the corner because they're so frustrated. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a it's a true statement. If I had 10,000 show up to this webinar, I wouldn't know what, to, I, I'd fall apart. I wouldn't know how to handle it. And these lessons you learn with 10 and then 100 and then 1,000 are so, so important. Yes. But you got to endure through the 10 and the 100 and all to get to the 10,000. Yeah. And you're right. I, I think too many people give up before they get to that point. Yeah. They see the... We've talked, we've joked about it, the overnight success. They, they, they introduce to someone and they have 10,000, uh, you know, people in their webinar and they think, well, that's an overnight success. They don't recognize, well, they've been doing it for 10 years. I mean, I think yeah. Amy, Amy Porterfield's been at this. 11, 11 years. 10, yeah, 10 or 11 years. Her first course she launched was crickets. She didn't, yeah. she, it was hor If you go back and listen to a, a, a recent episode of Amy Porterfield, uh, online marketing made easy. Uh, it's an episode where she talks about the 10 failures she's had over the last 10 years. And it's just, it's only thing she doesn't say is like on failures one to 10 is like, and Michael and Steven had that same issue, right? <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's just, it, it, it's like, could. we've had the cricket, uh, you know, phenomenon we've had yes. and it, and it can, if you, You've got to be in a coaching relationship, a mastermind group, because without support from people who understand the journey you're on, it can become a very lonely place that people give up, throw their hands up and move on in life. And that's why I'm so grateful for the relationship that you and I have and with Heather and our mastermind group, because when I want to give up or when I want to, you know, when I'm having a bad week, I can turn and just put something on Voxer or I get an encouraging message and it just kind of gives me a little jolt to get me through that day. Yeah. It's so important. So, yeah, so it important. is. And, and you dude, you've, you've got a course coming up. I, I do. I'm still a little jealous because <laughs> you, you're launching two weeks before me. Some, for some reason you felt the need to just jump, jump ahead of me like that. I can't beat you on the email list. So I figured but I could man, beat you on the launch. Man, you, you've had some good results here lately. Tell our folks about that. Yeah. It's so uh, i again, this is, if you've listened to any of the episodes here, I've been, been talking consistently about my uh, army promotion points niche website where I've went in and I created value and building an email list. I have 105, four or five on the email list now. And um, I partnered with my biggest competitor out there that is, that has two websites that rank number one on Google for most of the keywords that I'm targeting. And I, I reached out to him, had a conversation with him. He's not spending much time on these properties anymore. Uh, but he is willing to uh, position me on his website properties and his Facebook page, which he has about 200,000 followers on to, to get some passive income for himself, some affiliate income. So I've set him up as an affiliate. Uh, he's prominently placed me on his Facebook page and his websites. Uh, that started, I think on hmm, third Wednesday, yeah, it was Wednesday. And I got, uh, I've been so fortunate. I've, I've signed up two people have enrolled in my course that is not even released yet. It comes out on the 17th and it's not even built yet. It's, it was a pre-sale and it's, it's something that now I, I feel like I have validation that this is something that people want. Uh, I have always felt that way uh, because I, you know, the book in the past that I, that I've done, but you just never know. And you're coming out with this course and and framing it out and outlining it. And then you put it out there and then you get a kind of a cool break with a guy that is your biggest competition that will position you on his properties. And now I've had two sales and I've had some, 
I've had a few trolls on Facebook that have said, you know, why would anybody pay for this? And, you know, that kind of makes me think, oh, I'm, I'm just a big imposter and it's the imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. And, you know, why would anyone want this for me? And then you get a positive one from a person that I got last night talking about, you know, that's worth every penny that it's that of the price. And then it's I got it for my husband and it's really going to help him out. He's been lost and he hasn't been able to get support. So it's things like that that kind of pull me out of these trolls and this group with you and Heather that helped me kind of stay above that. But it's just been really exciting. I don't know where it's all going to go, but I'm just going to keep working it and keep uh, developing the course. Uh, I have the first week going to launch on the 17th. I have that almost built out. I just got to do a few recordings and um, I'm just going to keep plugging away. I don't know any other way to do it other than just keep plugging away and keep, keep working at it and figuring it out and learning as I go. Yeah. You know, Stephen, there's, there's two things, two positive things I want to talk about there that are just awesome. First of all, you, you, you noticed on Google search results and so forth, a competitor out there that's uh, offering similar information and content and things like that. Uh, and too many, I believe too many entrepreneurs and business people would look at that person as the comp- the competition, the enemy, if you will, you know, they would have the, the, the limited mindset to suggest, well, I just need to do everything I can over here to beat that person and, and so forth. But instead you had an abundance mindset where you reached out to that person and said, Hey, I want to partner with you, right? Yes, you have a website that is competing with me in Google searches and so forth. And and yes, theoretically, you know, from a business standpoint, you're competitors, but the abundance mindset says there's plenty of business out there for both of us. And, And if we go after it together, we'll all get our share, right? And so you reached out to this individual and, and, and he clearly has an abundance mindset as well. And that's brought these, uh, these uh, course students to, to you. And that's, that's just huge. I mean, that's a big, big deal. But then second, you mentioned you've, this is a pre-sale, right? And, and you're being upfront about that and so forth. The, the course isn't available even till the, till the 17th and so forth. But you already have testimonials from people that have bought it that says this is worth every penny. They don't even, they don't even know the content of the course yet. They haven't even seen your recordings yet, but they're saying to you that it's worth every penny. What you've given them is hope. And the hope that you gave them is worth every penny. These are young adults. They're probably say mid twenties at the oldest, and they're dealing with the department of defense. And they feel hopeless as it relates to how do I advance my career against the Department of Defense, the Army, the big machine of the Army. But yet in this course, you've given them hope. And so that's why you're getting comments like that from someone that hasn't even seen the course yet. You've given them hope without even delivering the course. And and that's phenomenal. That's great. That's the kind of testimony you want from folks. Yeah. No, no pressure. Uh, you're making me feel no pressure now, to, but, but you're right. It, it's a validating, uh, it's, it's validating. It is something that when someone says something like that, you're right. It's, and I didn't think of it that way until you said it. It's, it's this notion of the possibility that my husband is going to learn through this type of content, something that he's been struggling to figure out. And that's really inspiring. And it even hyper validates that it's a topic in an area that that people will gravitate towards. So I got to do my part. I've got to deliver massively great content. I've got to overserve. I've got to be available. Uh, it's I'm sure it's not all going to be perfect and I'll make some mistakes and hiccups and I'll course correct and go through that. But I'm just really inspired that um, that people are trusting me, at least two at this point when we record this, people are trusting me with their hard earned money to deliver this value. So I'm really looking forward to serving them and hopefully using this as a, as kind of a springboard to learning and growing and figuring out how to continue to serve at a higher level and create the business with this niche that um, I've, I've often dreamed of doing. So good, good stuff, my friend, you want to button us up? Yeah. So let's do that. So leadership standpoint, I mean, we talked about diversity today and I hope you, I hope we've convinced you 
the diversity in your team, it is super important. It will make for a better team. And I hope we've given you some really good uh, ideas as to how to be intentional. That's your takeaway. Uh, that's your call to action from a leadership standpoint is be intentional about building diversity within your team and use some of these uh, tips and, and so forth that we've shared with you today to do just that. And then from a podcast standpoint, be sure you head over to leaderpreneurshow.com. That's where you'll find the show notes for this show. Now, based on what we talked about last week, let me spell that for you. It's leaderpreneurshow. That's L-E-A-D-E-R-P-R-E-N-E-U-R show.com. I always uh, flip-flop the U and the E at the end there, but leaderpreneurshow.com, that's where you'll find the show notes. Everything Stephen Faust is doing and uh, with his uh, army promotion points and everything, you'll find that at stephenfaust.com. That's with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N, stephenfaust.com. And then always for me, everything I'm doing in a leadership standpoint, you'll find it over at credibleleaders.com. So until Stephen and I speak to you again next week, be blessed and lead well.